Hello and welcome back to the Scouted Football Podcast. Uh, some of you may have seen on our social media profiles over the past few days uh, that we will not be printing any further handbooks in 2022. Uh, while that is a huge disappointment to all of us at Scouted, we feel it's a necessary measure in order to continue providing the same analysis online. Uh, it's not the end for Scouted. That's something that we really want to stress. Far from it. Uh, you'll still be able to find us here on Scouted Pod, on our Patreon at scoutedftbl.com or simply our social media accounts. Um, those of you who've purchased a handbook or supported our work in any way over the past couple of years, we are truly, truly grateful to have been able to bring something so cherished by us to your fingertips. Um, so from all of us at Scouted, thank you very, very much for, for being a part of that journey. Uh, but back to podcast affairs though, and we are at episode 99, almost a ton up. Uh, and for that reason, we've we've delved back through the little Black Scouted contacts book to find uh, a guest fit for the occasion. Um, <laughs> and today I'm joined by none other than Sky Football's Ali Maxwell from the Not The Top 20 podcast uh, with uh, his newfound EFL 21 under 21 fame. Uh, Ali, how are we doing? We're, we're doing well. We're doing well. Bittersweet way to start the pod because I am also someone who has cherished the scouted football handbooks. I've got a number of them sitting behind me in my little box office or podcast studio, as I prefer to call it. And uh, I have been a massive fan of your work collectively uh, since the beginning and, and kind of feel like you guys are a massive inspiration to to people like George and I, not the top 20, and so, so many others as well. So um, it was a sad news to read late last week, but completely understandable. And as a, already a proud patron, uh, of the Patreon page. I'm uh, excited to move all my scouted football uh, scouting onto there and, and see what's to come. But uh, it's a, a pleasure to be able to chat to you this week as well, because uh, George and I, as you've alluded to, we just had our own show, our first own show on Sky Sports, and it was right up your street. Uh, 21 players, 21 and under uh, on or in the EFL, rather, that we think have the brightest futures. It wasn't easy. To cut it down to 21, we think there's a lot of talent there. I know that you guys do as well. You've written a lot about EFL talents before. So we thought, what a good time to come in there and chat to you about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it was it was one of those things where it was Friday evening. I thought, you know, I've just finished work. I'm going to gonna sit down in front of the telly. And, and lo and behold, there was two familiar faces right there <laughs> um, talking on their own show, not being not being helped along by anybody. It was it was it, you were flying solo. And it was um, yeah, it was it was really, really good to see. And um, I mean, we've just been discussing before before we started recording about the the thrill of that. I mean, what was it like, sort of, you know, watching yourselves back? Because I know you and you and George sort of have a, a different different outlook on 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 going over um, going over old pods or old old TV appearances. Yeah, I, I don't think George has ever listened to anything we've ever done. Uh, <laughs> I think he's probably only watched about twenty percent of the TV work we've done as well. Uh, that's that's his way of approaching it. He he doesn't, for whatever reason, uh, get a lot out of of watching it back. Um, and I watch everything. I listen to all of our pods about five times. That is partly because I edit them as well. So partly partly that's by default. Uh, and that's also because as the editor, as soon as I upload our pods, I panic that there's something <laughs> on there that shouldn't be on there. And so I listen back to it straight away and make sure that there isn't. Uh, but no, I mean, watching back on Friday night was it was an incredible feeling. And we had, along with some other people, worked very hard last week to record it, to get it all in, uh, to get ready. So much research went into it as well. Uh, lots of back and forth between me and George 
you know, late into the night about who should be included, who shouldn't be included. Transfer deadline day was a huge day for us because there were a few of our players we thought might get Premier League moves, which would have rendered them ineligible for our EFL 21 under 21 list. And one of them in particular, Fabio Carvalho, uh, it, it was almost like a gift from God for us because he <laughs> is, as I'm sure we might discuss, the, the wonder kid, I would say, right now in the EFL. And his move kind of inexplicably, as far as I can tell, breaking down uh, just uh, just the night before we recorded was was pretty perfect for us because I'm sure his replacement would have been a good young player, but uh, probably not Fabio Carvalho. So it was a, a huge thrill, a huge buzz. We, we can't believe some of the opportunities that we've been given over the last few years, and this was just the, the latest. So thankfully, it seems to have gone down quite well. And uh, although this show will only ever be an annual type thing because we'll, we'll keep the list for the year and we'll refresh it next year, some people will graduate uh, because they will be too old and some will, I reckon, get moves to the Premier League and uh, we will go again next year, hopefully with Sky Sports involved as well, because uh, I think they were pleased with it too, which is great. Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, certainly from sort of the Twitter sphere, the, the, the number of sort of nice messages and, 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 and comments about it was, was, you know, really, really redeeming to see. But I mean, just from a personal perspective, um, it was something which kept you engaged. It was quick fire analysis, but it was, it was good analysis. And it was, it was also, you know, it was digestible. Um, and you know, for for somebody who obviously has an interest in youth football, that's not going to surprise anybody who's listened to the ninety nine previous episodes or however many there are. Um, you know, it was right up my street, and it was the sort of thing which, yeah, I can look forward to thinking about. Oh, I wonder who's going to be in twenty twenty three's list. You're going to have me DMing you suggestions, and yeah, it's um, yeah, it was a pleasure to to watch. And where can people see that? Because I know that there'll be some some people listening to this who who might think, oh, you know what, I I, might, I want to go and watch these clips of these players. I want to go and watch the the presentation skills of, of Ali Maxwell. I want to <laughs> want to see hear the the quips, the grassy asses that that uh, that you, that you, you put in there halfway through, and and try to try to try to lighten it a bit, a little bit. You know, where where can people catch that? Yeah, so I think for those who have access to Sky Sports TV in the UK, you can watch On Demand at the moment. I'm not sure there are any more repeats this week, but uh, it's worth searching on your Skybox. Uh, but thankfully, it's available to, to anyone outside of that as well. Uh, if you Google EFL 21 under 21, I'm pretty sure you'll find a link towards the top of the Google search uh, on the spot on the skysports.com website. Uh, there's a really nice landing page, which is basically just kind of presents the whole thing. Uh, and the individual player clips are all there. So you can kind of watch them in, in whichever order you want to. Um, we went sort of goalkeeper through defenders, midfielder, attackers on the show you might want to start with attacking players but um yeah it'd be amazing if if those who listen to the pod who enjoy scouted football content uh, could give it a go see what they like see what they don't like uh, and let us know because it's something we we think hopefully uh, is quite good fun and most importantly we we take the task very seriously of finding the players with the highest ceilings and it's not easy as anyone who reads the handbooks and listens to your stuff and you guys are always so good at explaining you know, youth development and player development's not linear. Um, and on this list of 21 players, some will end up right at the very top. I'm, I've absolutely no doubt about that. And some of them may never reach the Premier League, and that's fine. That's kind of, if I'm honest, well, that sounds like a strange thing to say. I, I'm going to enjoy that part of the journey as well, understanding a bit more about player development by using these guys as examples of of players with a great skill set, with a potentially a great future. Uh, and I feel like all together we can kind of follow along uh, and see how they get on and enjoy their successes. 
Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's something that always always chimes with me is that, you know, when, when you perhaps you see, uh, you know, young players at, at Premier League academies or something and, you know, just because they don't make it to, to, to the first team at that club doesn't mean that they're not going to bring joy or bring happiness to, to supporters of a, of a club further down the pyramid. And isn't that, isn't that all why we love football, isn't it? Oh, we've got Completely. getting all lovey-dovey here after we've got <laughs> near, nearing up to 100 episodes. But um, before we get on to some of the players that were in that list and maybe some some potential graduates and, and, and names for, for the years to come, um, there are parameters to to the list, and and I just want to give a a bit more context as to you know the the decisions that went into y- yours and George's um you know uh, appraisal of who would be a, a good EFL under twenty one under twenty one player because mm. it's not just a, a case of oh well we'll just pick the best Premier League loanees who've dropped in um you know there's, there's some there's some I don't want to say strict because that's that's got a negative connotation to it but <laughs> there were some 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 parameters weren't there. Yeah, for sure. I, I must admit that the no Premier League loanies thing, some people haven't been very happy about that because, you know, it, it almost feels like you're discriminating against a very talented young player because they happen to be part of an elite academy or they happen to be attached to some of the the, the world's top teams. And our way of looking at it was, actually, we really think it's important to celebrate and highlight the work that EFL clubs do for for themselves and for talents that aren't gobbled up by the elite academies and aren't considered elite talents uh, and we we think it's such an important part of the english football pyramid of the future of the english game uh, and we know firsthand for the england national team where mm. there have been squads in the last few years where like two-thirds of the players in the team or in the 23-man squad have formative on-pitch minutes in the EFL. Now, not all of those are born and raised in the EFL, so to speak, like a Jude Bellingham or an Ollie Watkins or a Jared Bowen. Uh, some of them are uh, Premier League loanees, but we, we we just wanted to to highlight the clubs doing really good work because there's nothing wrong with loans and there's absolutely nothing wrong with, with using the elite talents um, at the very top of the Premier League to improve your first 11 and to help them develop. But we were pretty clear we wanted to celebrate EFL clubs and their academies and, and the way that they develop those who get cast aside by elite academies because we know that that can be a really tough time for a, a young person and there's no guarantee that they pick themselves up from there. So it's on the club sometimes to provide that that sort of... Um, that trampoline when they fall. Uh, so yeah, that was one of the parameters. No Premier League loanees. Uh, that ruled out quite a lot of very talented players. Uh, it was it was eligible for anyone born on the first of January two thousand and after. So you could be twenty two now, as we record at the start of February. Uh, so long as you were twenty one at the very start of this year. Um, and then it was just about uh, that we had a Premier League appearance limit of ten Premier League appearances. We didn't. We really felt we wanted to uncover some gems for people who weren't aware of these players. And we felt like anyone with probably more than 10 Premier League appearances probably was kind of out there already, uh, if you like. And then the other one was no no big money transfers. So that unfortunately ruled out someone like Hannoa Masengo, who had already played Champions League football for <laughs> Monaco uh, by the time Bristol City bought him a couple of years ago for, for a, a decent fee. Players like Jaden Bogle, uh, Sheffield United, Rian Brewster, these guys didn't fit the bill because they'd played too many Premier League games and they'd been signed for big money. So uh, those are the parameters. And uh, yeah, we, we 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 didn't necessarily look to spread it out evenly across positions, to be honest with you, but we ended up with a fairly nice balance. It's a little top heavy, as you, as you might expect, with a lot of attacking midfielders, wide forwards and a couple of strikers. But we got 
we got enough centre backs, enough full backs, and enough goalkeepers to fill a starting eleven as well. So uh, a bit of a spread of positions, and I think as well just in terms of the, the profile of player. So yeah, it was something we put a lot of a lot of thought into, as you can tell. No, yeah, no, no Premier League loanees and true not the top twenty style. I mean, the people who are not. In, n- not overly enamoured by the fact that there, that there was that restriction. They clearly haven't heard of the name of the podcast, have they? But um, yeah, we, we'll get started on, on oh, well, who should we start with? We'll definitely start with someone who's come through the Fulham Academy. Um, but that, that, that kind of brings us down to, to a couple on there. Um, mm-hmm. So you've got Fabio Carvalho, um, who is 19. So he's, you know, he, he could, could, but I think it's quite unlikely be in the list next year, given that you know he's uh, he, he, he had the, the designs of Liverpool on him up until the yeah. the eleventh hour of the um, the January transfer window deadline. Um, he's obviously playing attacking midfield for, for Fulham, um, but he's he's come to he, he's come to be on the EFL twenty one under twenty one list via Benfica and Ballum. Um, mm. Obviously, as many people will be able to tell by his name, you know he's, he's spent some time in Portugal, um, and I think. The first player on this podcast I can think of who's eligible to represent Timor Leste, which is a country I honestly don't know where it is where it is. So that's a first. Um, but I mean, yeah, what is he like? What is Carvalho like as a player? I mean, anybody who's watched the EFL this season will be thinking, well, this guy is you know EFL Young Player of the Year material. Yeah, I think I think he he almost certainly is. Um, he is. He's he's pretty sensational. He he's the player that will look back. I think in probably less than five years, probably two to three years, and think it was pretty crazy that he ever played in in any second tier of any uh, league structure mm. because of the quality that he has. Of course, you know, the caveat is that Fulham were a Premier League side last year. He got a handful of minutes at the end of last season. He managed to grab a goal as well in, in those minutes, um, but thankfully just about met our criteria. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, it was one of those where, you're doing research about Fulham over the summer. You're trying to work out how do they look? Marco Silva's taken over. Are they tooling up for an immediate promotion with a load of signings? You know, they've already got such a strong squad and they've already been up the last, what they'd been promoted the last two times they'd been at this level. So you're weighing all these things up. And, you know, because I, like you guys, always look out for any young players, you know, as a sort of starter to see if there's anyone of interest. You see Carvalho, I think he's 18 at the time. And you think, okay, like, are those just end of season minutes because there's nothing riding on the games and they want to keep him sweet? And if so, does that mean he's kind of going to be thrust aside or is he going to go back to the under 23s? And basically from the first weekend, it was pretty clear that Marco Silva was like, no, no, this kid's going to be in my starting 11 because he is sensational. Uh, and over time, we've we've come to understand why. He just, he's such an intelligent player. You know, he plays in a number 10 role. Um, you get the feeling that in a, what, 4-3-3, three, three, he could play probably off the left of the front three. Uh, in any sort of three at the back system, you could see him playing at the tip of a 3-5-2. You could see him playing in a 3-4-3 three, three in one of those sort of front three roles, uh, sort of um, supplementing the striker. And he is very, very skillful, very, very fast, uh, very, very good with both feet. He plays with his head up. He combines really well with attacking players in tight spaces in and around the box. And he has scored goals with both feet. He's even scored a header, even though he's quite small. Uh, he's got uh, a fair few assists and just consistently combines really well with teammates. There's a bit of when he's in full flow and in particular up against a low block defence, which is 
what Fulham experience for about 95% of all the football they play because they're so dominant at the level. Up against a low block, there are moments where he reminds me a bit of Emil Smith-Rowe in the sense that he, he's not that flashy. He's not like doing loads of tricks. I would say, you know, a comparison with someone like Harvey Elliott who came through at Fulham, yeah. plays for Liverpool and who we saw in the EFL last year. That's not to say that Elliot was doing tricks for trick's sake, but he had a lot of skill in him. He'd spend his time, you know, rolling his foot over the ball and maybe tracking in a few nutmegs. Carvalho, I would say, is more about just pure efficiency and, and doing the, the smartest thing at any given time. And that reminds me of Emil Smith-Rowe. Yes, they are technically brilliant, but it's more about the speed of thought and the combination play, um, little bouncing little one-twos off Mitrovic, etc., that's probably what's really stood out. And there's, you know, that there there have been a lot of teams they've come up against who have had no answer to to Carvalho and what he can do. So it's not it's not a case of we're such a good team that we can afford to put an 18 year old, 19 year old in the number 10 slot and still win games while kind of developing him as we go. He just simply has been one of their best players uh, and and grown into it as the season's gone on to the point where the last month or two, he's been absolutely phenomenal. And I, I guess the difficult thing with Carvalho is he is playing for the best team in the league. He's playing for a team scoring more goals at this level than we've seen certainly for the last five years or so. I think they've scored 74 in 28 games. And you sort of think like, okay, at some point he's going to have bigger tests than this if, if, if Fulham go up, which I'm sure they will. Is he going to be starting every game in the in the Premier League? How good are Fulham going to be? How how much can his role translate up a level where they're going to have a lot less of the ball, where he's going to be asked to do a lot more out of possession? All of these are, are fair questions. Um, but if Liverpool are after him, and we know their record with recruitment is pretty tidy, um, it's not hard to understand where he could fit in their system because he's so mobile. Um, but ultimately, it's just this base level of, of skill and intelligence and speed that makes him incredibly exciting. Yeah, everything seems so refined. I think that that's that's the the word that was coming to mind when when you were comparing him to Emil Smith Rowe, Huddersfield yeah. Town icon, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, he everything does everything seems necessary that he does. You know, I think sometimes you'd maybe look at a young player and think, well, uh, is that was you know was the decision making behind that really optimal? And mm. then it's like, well, well, no, but that's fine because they're young and they haven't gained that experience yet of when they, when, when to release the ball. Um, but yeah, everything is movement's very fluid. Um, you know, as you mentioned, he's got a header, good header as well, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, he's, he's got variety to his game in the final third. And and I think the the value of him having a full season in this Fulham team, you know, you can you can say all those things about how yes, he's playing in quite literally the strongest team at, at this level for for some years. Um, and that is true, but he's he's having to become a problem solver because he's mm. not playing on the break. He's not playing in transition as often as a player who we further down the league might be, like a Keen Lewis Potter, for example, another mm. player player on the list. You know, he's having to problem solve, and that that will stand him in good stead for when he does end up representing a, a you know a, a Champions League club of, or, or a club sure. of that ilk. So I think this, yeah, this this I mean, at nineteen and with the talent that he's that he's displaying, sort of being such a, a a dual threat with, with goals and assists and, mm. and everything else in between and the intelligence that you mentioned. I think, yeah, he's he's the player that immediately stands out, not just in the EFL, but sort of as as, the, as one of the best young players that I think the EFL's had in in, in many years. Um, yes, mate, agree. Love it. Yeah. Great um, start. <laughs> hey, we'll, st- make, we'll make a great start and we'll talk about another Fulham boy, but not playing at Fulham at the moment. Uh, someone who came through via Fulham, by, via Middlesbrough, um, is currently making a, a season-long stop-off at uh, Nottingham Forest. 
uh, and it's possibly the best time to be discussing him, given that yeah. he was uh, he was he was electric yesterday uh, in the FA Cup demolition that uh, Forrest oversaw against uh, Leicester City. Uh, that's of course Jed Spence, 21 years old, uh, playing as a right back. Um, and he's been really, really good. He's been really ex- efficient. He's a dribbler. Uh, he's an interceptor extraordinaire. Um, in the previous round against Arsenal, I think that was the first time that I sort of uh, I just went from so you know just you know lounging on the sofa to actually you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna sit forward here. I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm actually gonna watch everything that he does. Mm. Um, but you know he's dynamic. He's dangerous. He's he's electric. I, I really, really like that in in a fullback. And it's just yet another. English right back that is just you know tear it pulling up trees in in the EFL. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh he's such an interesting one, Spence, because he's got eighty five championship games under his belt already. Mm. Um, most of them for for Middlesbrough before this loan at Forest, and you know four months ago, I suppose at the point of him being loaned to Nottingham Forest, you'd say that would have been the toughest moment of his young career up to that point because having come through under Jonathan Woodgate at Borough Neil Warnock I mean Warnock's one of those managers who we know enough about because he's been around for so long that there's no real subtleties about his decisions and you know sometimes you need to be careful about saying oh ex-manager doesn't fancy ex-player because Mm. you never really know what's gone on behind the scenes but I think the way in which Warnock was so happy to loan him out the way in which he, he really wasn't that fussed about sending him to a team who, you know, even though Forrest had started poorly, you know, in theory were, were gunning for the same objectives as, as that Borough side. I think that kind of reflected that Warnock didn't fancy him. And I think part of that is still going to be a bit of a question mark about Spence, is that he has easily played his best football as a right wing back in a, a three at the back system mm. with slightly less defensive responsibility. Now, uh, clearly, the best modern fullbacks are known for what they can do in the final third for the most part, um, playing for elite clubs. So in that sense, there's there's almost a part of it which is, well, you know, in the right scenario, if he does get a big move towards the top of the, of the Premier League, maybe he can continue to just highlight his strengths and maybe he can continue not to be hugely tested defensively. But I can't say definitively he's an unbelievable on-ball defender. I can't say definitively he has like elite concentration and positioning um, as a as a fullback, but he's so young that you'd think that stuff can still be taught. What he does have is, is something that almost no players uh, at any age in his position have, which is just consistent, direct threat. Um, he, he is incredibly quick, but it's the way that he uses his pace and the directness of his runs. They're not always down the line, you know, hugging the touchline, getting to the byline and crossing. He, he makes brilliant underlapping runs uh, inside Brennan Johnson or, uh, you know, midfielders who have drifted out wide. It just makes him so hard to track. Um, he, he's clearly shown, you know, that he's smart enough to combine with good, good wide players. Him and Johnson have a really good understanding, although they're both right footers playing on the right side. Um, you know, you kind of think maybe actually playing with an inverted winger might suit someone like Spence more. But I think if you're smart enough now, um, you you know that it's not just about hugging width, but actually finding the times to come inside as well. So he's so exciting when he's in full flow. There have been a couple of occasions where maybe a bit of defensive weakness has, uh, has shown up and that's something to watch. That's why, you know, despite the amazing performances in the FA Cup recently against Arsenal and against Leicester, that's why I, I would still want to see him 
maybe get a, a, a middling move before going straight to the top six, as has been rumoured. Mm. Um, but <laughs> he's so exciting. And as you say, in full flow, he's absolutely someone you sit up and take notice because of, of what he can do. And so it's just this bizarre scenario where he is playing unbelievably well uh, for Steve Cooper in a three-at-the-back system on loan at, at Forest. They don't own him, so they've just got him for another 15, 20 games or so, uh, at which point he's Middlesbrough's player again. Uh, they there's been such a weird back and forth about this and they're so bullish about their own current right wing back Isaiah Jones being yeah. better than Jed Spence that I suppose this the suggestion is they'll be happy to start a sort of bidding war for him uh, and so therefore I think he is definitely someone that we'll see get a Premier League move in the summer and then it'll just be a case of being patient because we know that it's a big step up to the Premier League I've no doubt that he'll be able to show his attacking talent at times but he might find it a little bit harder, um, like he did when he was playing in a Neil Warnock system at Borough. Maybe not someone who's system-proof, I guess, is, is what I'm saying. So it's a, that's certainly something to watch. System-proof is such a new world way of putting how what, what I was going to say, which was the Warnock situation really feels like it was a horses-for-courses situation, to be honest. Mm. With it, Obviously, with the, the switch between a four and a five at the back, um, or three with your right wing back, so however you want to define it. Um, that's that. That's kind of what how it came across to, to me. Obviously, you know, obviously Warnock no longer there. But I mean, Spence is, is benefiting from from working under Steve Cooper, and I think it's it's just yet another example of a player who has spent time on loan with a Steve Cooper team, who, for for all intents and purposes, looks as though he's going to to follow a similar traje- trajectory to mm. to the likes of you know a Conor Gallagher, Mark Gurhey, uh, you know Morgan Gibbs White, you know these types of players who you know came to play for for Cooper Swansea uh, in consecutive seasons and then went on to do you know really good things in, in the Premier League with with West Brom or Crystal Palace and I think you're right with that that comment about a, a middling move before going straight to a top 6 club because the the expectation and how quickly you are perceived and how quickly you're judged at a top 6 club is so much more um you know microscopic so mm. That's right. I think it's it would be much much better if, if if Spence went to a club, which it looks as though he probably will, as you say, um, who are in need of a player in that position, but in need of a player more suited to to, to Spence's you know natural attributes uh, yeah. instead of just because he is the the, the hottest property in, in the championship. No, he, it has to be a, a situation where he's you know he's been signed for a club who are going to play that system, and you know there are plenty of teams who 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 would facilitate that. Um, but it, I think the ne- the biggest decision now between, you know, in 2022 for him, will be making that, that decision, which is which club offers me the <laughs> opportunity to, to continue this good run. Yeah. Otherwise I'll forever be defined as, oh, well, yeah, he was good in the championship, but he never quite made it, made the step up. And it's like, mm. well, it's not as binary as that. There are a lot of factors, but yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. The there. Yeah, it's always the way. Um, we'll drop down into, into League One. Uh, for for the next player I've got in here, um, uh, well, the next player that that you guys picked out for for the EFL twenty one under twenty one, uh, and it's AFC Wimbledon's Jack Rudoni, who you kindly told everyone on Sky uh, was referred to as Rudy, which mm-hmm. is yeah, it's a, I like I like a nickname. I, I like it when when players have got a yeah yeah it's got it's got a it's got a ring to it, um, and also there's definitely potential for for terrace chance there maybe something to the tune of ruby but hey you know that's just me spitballing here um you know he's 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 a he's a dons academy graduate coming up to around 100 games you know 75 of those in in league one um so at 20 he's he's already another player like spence with 
with vast experience. Um, we actually had Orlando Valman uh, of Scouted uh, speak to to Rob Tuvey uh, last month. Um, he yeah. obviously works alongside Mark Robinson, and um, it's a really li- nice piece uh, on the Scouted website. You know, he begins by saying, "Is it is it appropriate to call what what is happening at AFC Wimbledon a youth revolution?" Um, and I, I don't think it's 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 hyperbolic to say that. You know, the average age of the squad this, that they've used this season is is twenty three. Which, when you think about averages, you know that's you know you're you're playing quite a few Rudies who are of that age yeah. of, of 19, 20, 21. Um, you know, you, you've got your Ayuba Sals there, you know, the, the impish Ayuba Sal as, <laughs> as, as coined by not the top 20. Um, but yeah, he's Rodoni is, is part of the youngest starting lineup, the youngest squad in the EFL this season. It was, it was a natural fit for firstly for, for him to be on your, your list, but, but also for him to be on our radar as well. Yeah. Uh, Rodoni and Ayuba Sal and, our sense of really needing to include one of them, but probably <laughs> not both of them, was was one of many very tough moments in in preparing this list. And I I've been to watch Wimbledon a few times this season as I'm I'm based nearby, and I, I like their new stadium, mm. um, and I particularly like the food offerings that they have, <laughs> uh, and lots of lots of nice craft beers as well. I would recommend getting down there because it's uh, it, the stadium might look a little bit like something out of FIFA 22, just like a little too new buildy for some people's likings but um it's a it's a good place to watch football and particularly if you're interested in in young players because they've got plenty of them as you say uh, and it's been cool you know that, that they're not doing hugely well in the league uh, you have to add the context of them having a very low budget for the league of them having just moved into a new stadium and needing to pay that off being owned by the fans rather than by um, you know billionaires or millionaire owners, as is often the case at that level. So they're doing things a little bit differently, and, and yeah, there are teething issues. I think they're currently ten games without a win, and you can kind of see watching them. You can see the talent that the players have, and you can see the moments where it all gets put together, where it looks amazing, and you can certainly see a lot of player development happening in front of our eyes uh, under manager Mark Robinson. Uh, but of course, there are some tough moments as well, as is probably to be expected with such a young team. I think Rodoni, you know, he's probably been, well, he's certainly been their most consistent attacking threat this season. Uh, and that's really the big thing about him. He's an attacking midfield player. He's quite he's quite tall, uh, lefty, kind of skinny. Um, and he's, it's a weird one. You kind of talk about Rodoni, you, you, you almost start by saying he's not, an attacking midfielder in a particularly modern mould who can carry the ball really, really smoothly, who you know plays a lot of through balls or, or is really creative, gets a lot of assists. Um, he's not a sort of Jack Grealish uh, prototype, which is what we're seeing quite a lot of young players in the EFL try and be. He's just like pure mentality for goal scoring, um, combining well with teammates in and around the opposition box. Like he does pass and move well, but I guess he doesn't have maybe the greatest vision in terms of picking out passes for for teammates. Um, what he does have is this amazing goal scoring knack. And as you say, almost 100 games in League One, uh, age just 21. You know, that, that stuff is is pretty clear to see in that amount, in that sort of sample size. You've got a guy who very consistently either arriving late into the box when the ball's out wide, either um, running in behind every now and then, either with a threat from range with a, a left foot, which is incredibly precise. I think of someone like Jared Bowen with a similar, like a similar amount of power and accuracy with his left foot. 
uh, and he's just a real goal threat. And that that's clearly a skill that's incredibly value uh, valuable. And I think one that we reckon can can translate up levels. I'm pretty confident he'll be playing in the championship next season. Uh, I can't, I don't have the sort of ITK transfer knowledge mm. to tell you who with, but I'm fairly sure that Wimbledon are going to be in a position of, you know, happy, happy to, to let it, a young starlet go, happy to get a good fee for him, which they will. Um, and then we will really find out um, whether this is a player whose limitations outside of goal scoring might see him hit a bit of a wall at championship level. Or whether this is a guy who, you know, he's got a pretty famous work ethic within the club. I think Frank Lampard is his hero and he, he just talks about consistently wanting to improve. We've seen him do that over the last two years. So it's a case of trying to work out what his absolute ceiling is because, um, you know, he's he's someone who's got a knack for goal scoring. And that's not something that, that, well, that's something that a lot of players find difficult to learn. He seems to have it innately. In terms of him versus Asal, in the end... The, the discussion seemed to boil down to, and this was after talking to a lot of Don's fans, Asal possibly having the highest ceiling, but certainly having the lowest floor. That's because Asal at this point, you really can't be that sure about what's going to happen. Hmm. He's showing a lot of potential. He is a, an absolute menace. He's impish, as you say. He's box office, as we say. I think he's got the joint most yellow cards in League One, despite being a five foot six attacker. <laughs> Um, and he's got a few goals as well. But it feels like Rodoni, we can be very sure, will be playing at a higher level than he is now for his for the rest of his career. Asal probably will and and might reach even higher, but it, we were just less sure about it. And for the first list, and with Asal being a year younger, we thought Rodoni was the right pick. Is there an element of that Asal might be in the list next year or could potentially qualify for the list next year? Or am I completely wide of the mark there? No, no, completely. You know, I, I think it would be silly to to be making picks now because we've only just got the last list out of the way. <laughs> but yeah, there, there was, I have to be honest, a, a, an extent to which we thought, well, um, Asal's going to be eligible next year. He's only played probably 20, 20 appearances uh, in the league. We haven't got as much of a body of work as we have for, for other players who are a year older. We'll trust that. We'll trust what we can see a bit more clearly with others. But certainly this time next year, I'm hoping and expecting that Asal will touch wood still be at Wimbledon and could be one of the, the most exciting attacking players in League One, uh, which you know of any age. At which point, I'm absolutely sure he'll be um, he'll be on he'll definitely be on the long list and, and probably make the last 21 as well. Yeah, we'll clip that up and we'll uh, we'll we'll share that out on the socials in about six months' time when he's when he's pulled up trees, especially the bit where you say that he's uh, he's, he's got the lowest floor because you know I just love to make you squirm a little bit just a little <laughs> bit like that. Um, but no, I mean th- th- there's there's so many players on this list and and obviously the the. That the eligibility is, is a big factor, as you just mentioned there with Rodoni. Um, but there's a few that we haven't mentioned. I mean, players that a lot of people will be familiar with, you know, your Brennan Johnsons, who obviously, along with Jed Spence, did, did fantastically against Leicester in, in the Cup, as well as against Arsenal. And just in general, down that right flank all season. Um, you know, there's, there's there's others such as, you know, Callum Styles, who's been really consistent for, for Barnsley, even though they've... Uh, you know, as as a collective, Barnsley have been been um, been been a bit poorer this season. I found it a mm. bit a bit more difficult. Um, and you know, even the likes of Keane Lewis Potter at, at Hull, who who I alluded to earlier, um, Illiman and Di, um, Tyrese Dolan uh, at Blackburn, and, and a couple of the strikers as well. You know, Daniel Jebison, Callum Morton, Antoine Semenyo. You know, th- these are all players that um, you know 
people are going to be people are going to want to keep an eye on. People are going to want to draw up a football manager list, if you will. <laughs> you can. I mean, that's the beauty of the list is you could use the FM editor to put the twenty-one into a squad. You might need to bolster it with a couple of uh, with maybe one or two extra goalkeepers and a couple of extra centre backs. And I'd be happy to tell people who are interested in doing this which ones to choose to sort of bulk it up to twenty-five. And give yourself a bit more depth, but I—I I, I mean, I'm going to be doing this when I find a bit of time. No, that I'm is gonna a challenge. Be, I'm going to be putting this into a squad on Football Manager. I'll probably put it in the Championship and see how we go. Uh, That—that's definitely my plan. I think that's—I think that'll be a great way to engage with the EFL 21 under 21 list. Oh, absolutely! That's a great idea because I mean, a lot of the players in the list are understandably from the championship but also you've got the likes of Dan Neal for Sunderland in in League Mm. 1 and then Kane Wilson um, the the Forest Green Rovers right wing back um, obviously in League 2 and I think yeah I think that's a great idea why didn't I come up with that I I should have used that in my opening gambit actually but hey you know what we'll we'll go with it here and anybody who does attempt that do hit up not the top 20 do hit up um, Ali and, and George and, and let, let them know how you're getting on because in fact you know what screw it hit me up as well because I want to know how that's going on because that's <laughs> Get involved. that's the sort of thing that I should be doing on my FM editor um, but in terms of sort of a few players who might be in the list in, in future years you know obviously I don't want to say anything with, with any certainty but from from a perspective of you know players who have done quite well in the EFL so far this season who are in that same age bracket and um, who weren't in the list um, I was I was looking at Tyree Simpson um, who's obviously been on loan at, at Swindon um, and was obviously recalled uh, to Ipswich. Uh, he's a centre-forward, scored nine goals in League Two, um, still only 19 unless he turned 20 in the last few days, uh, which, knowing my luck, he definitely has. Um, <laughs> but he's, he's a product of Ipswich's academy. You know, you know the Tractor Boys have history, don't they? You know, your, mm. your, your Kieran Dyers, your Titus Brambles, Darren Ambrose, Darren Bent, I believe, was also there for yeah. a time. Yeah. Um, and the, the the bit about Simpson that was really curious to me, aside from his, you know, the, the style of his game, which I'm sure you'll, you'll you'll enlighten us on, was that he does have an expiring contract, which after, you know, six months on loan in League Two, scoring near near enough double figures and, and adding a few assists on top of that, mm. that does make for an interesting proposition. Yeah, to be honest, it's it's really frustrating, <laughs> Joe, because he's. <laughs> He was recalled by Ipswich and as far as I can tell, and this isn't definitive, but this is something that I've, you know, I've looked into a lot because he's a player that I'm so interested in and want to see more of. I believe, I believe he's, he's got an expiring contract. There may be an extension. There may not be an extension, but the reason he was called back essentially was to clear up the situation, commit his future to Ipswich and then be sent back out on loan probably to Swindon, who were doing a, a great job giving him the sort of minutes that 18, 19-year-old strikers struggle to get in, in pr- the professional football pyramid in, in the UK. And for whatever reason, this contract discussion, let's not call it a dispute, has led to him not having signed one yet and meant that he didn't get loaned back to Swindon or anywhere um, after the or towards the end of the January transfer window. Now, as far as I can tell, Ipswich aren't hugely fussed about using him in their team uh, for the rest of the season, which means it could be a few months of under-23s football, which always feels like a little bit of a waste of time for someone who has has got a taste for League Two football, has clearly thrived, um, who has, let's be clear, not been unbelievably consistent at Swindon, but who on his day has been unbelievable and has a skill set that 
very few players his age have, very few players at the bottom of the, the English professional pyramid have, and gives him, to my eyes anyway, an incredible scope for development from this point. He's another one who, if he didn't develop at all from this point, if he didn't improve in any way from this exact moment, I think would still have a very good career as a League One, League Two goal scorer. As you say earlier, some people are so obsessed with everyone reaching the very top, but that is still a good career. That's if he doesn't get any better. But this is someone who came to the game late because he was previously a rugby player. I think he was going to be signed by Leicester Tigers, the rugby team, uh, until he was told that actually he'd probably be quite a tidy footballer as well. I think he had a few trials, one of them with Man City, didn't take him on. Ipswich did. So it's someone who, this is probably two years ago we're talking, who hasn't had a huge football upbringing, so to speak, hasn't been in elite academies getting really specific granular coaching and detail for more than a year or two, who, as you say, nine goals and three assists in, in his first half season of senior football, and who feasibly, like a lot of players his age, could get way better. Now, he's he's a big guy. He's one of those players who, if he receives the ball back to goal, as if he can, if he controls it well, he's one of those guys. It's very, very difficult to get the ball off him because he can use his body to basically shield the ball. Defenders can't really get round it. He's left-footed, and he can kind of he can roll defenders, or he can just lay it off and spin in behind. Uh, I read in my research uh, before the show that he has clocked an a hundred meter time of eleven point two seconds Ooh. at some point in his life. That might not be right now, but it certainly was as a kind of schoolboy athlete. So this is someone with extreme pace once he gets going. Um, a nice left foot, scored kind of all kinds of goals, could definitely develop the kind of nuts and bolts of target man play for sure. You know, when you look at the guys like Calvert-Lewin and Watkins and Mikel Antonio, there's there's no, you, you really, to reach the very top, you have to be everything as a striker. Yeah, uh, You have to be a goal scorer but you have to be able to cope physically with the rigors of the Premier League. And and he's the kind of guy who, if he fills out and if, if everything works out well, you could see Simpson being able to do that. The technical side is a bit of a question mark. It, it's difficult to watch someone at League Two level and say they can improve so much that they won't look out of place in a Premier League team. But then again, we don't have to think entirely in those terms. The thing that I'm frustrated about is Ipswich have a number of senior strikers Quite a few of them have been in and out of favour. People like James Norwood and Caden Jackson uh, over the last year or two. Players who, if Ipswich are going to be upwardly mobile and find their way to the Championship at some point, probably not this season, but maybe next season, um, then Simpson should be the person they're giving development minutes to for the rest, for the second half of this season. Not guys in their late 20s with, with little potential further than what they have at the moment. This guy I really think could be anything. And that's why I'm so excited about him. Um, I don't necessarily expect him to reach the very top, but I just think there's a there's a kind of blank canvas aspect. I think he's the kind of guy that every coach in the country, worth their salt, would love to work with him, would love to try and help him become a bit more of an out-and-out natural goal scorer because he's always going to occupy defenders. He's always going to create space with, with good movement. Uh, and I, I basically, and I can't believe I've got this far talking about young talents in the EFL without mentioning Brighton and Brentford. But I really mm. believe with his contract situation, teams like Brighton and Brentford will be looking at Tyree Simpson and thinking, yeah, could be a gem, absolutely worth our time. 
trying to get him in, trying to make use of, of whatever this dispute is. We want to work with him and make sure he fulfills his potential. Uh, and that's why I really think playing Ipswich under-23s for the rest of the season would be a great shame. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. I, I didn't actually have any background on the situation. So that that's, yeah, it's pretty enlightening, as I said, in the mm. sort of the, the build-up to it. But um, yeah, looking at sort of the, the League One table at the moment, Ipswich played 30 games, currently ninth, eight points off the playoffs. Um, you've got to think that, well, I mean, there's not there's not a real threat of relegation, obviously. And if the if we're being if if we're saying push comes to shove, those last four or five games of the season, they're definitely going to be looking as though that if if they if they don't play him, then then they never will. But uh, as you say, it would be a crying shame for him not to get any senior football um, at League One level. You know, having yeah. having done so well in in League Two, you know, try and make a you know, some, uh, something out of a bad situation. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, it would be a crying shame even just to waste, I don't want to say waste, but even just to sort of, um, to spend six months maybe playing at a level which is below his station. Mm. Um, and you know what, with the rugby side of things, you know, if AFC Wimbledon managed to stay in League One, then, you know, why don't they bring him in with the Rodoni money and then he can play for Wimbledon on the Saturday and then he can play for London Broncos at Plough Lane <laughs> on the Sunday as well. Um, so, you know, you can really get more bang for your buck there. Or he could be signed by Brentford and he could play for Brentford on Saturdays. And I think it's London Irish. Do they play at the Brentford Stadium? Ooh, there that, you go. I did not know that. So there you yeah. go. Yeah. Stadium sharing knowledge. That's what you get on this podcast <laughs> as well. Um, it's it's multi-sport. Um, no, that's that's sort of the, the, the end of the, um, the the player sort of player view section. Um, I just wanted to, to ask you, Ali, you know, what's in the pipeline for, for, for yourself and George? You know, when, when are we going to be next seeing you on, on our screens? I know you're quite um you know quite familiar with with the setup on on friday nights and and, and <laughs> yeah. people will will recognize you from from those games is there too many of those sort of in the pipeline yeah yeah at any time there's a championship game live on sky on a friday night uh, george and i will be there after it uh, you have to be patient because uh you got to watch the game you got to watch the uh, post-match analysis you got to watch the manager interviews but you get rewarded 10 15 <laughs> george and i get wheeled out um for about 10 minutes at the end and you know, very relevant to to you guys, very relevant to the listeners of this pod. Um, it might sound ridiculous, given that we've just highlighted 21 players under 21 and we've talked about them at length. But that is, I would say, generally what we, what we do. We talk about um, not always young players, but exciting talents in the EFL, uh, players who are thriving, young managers often who are, who are looking really, really interesting, who could have a bright future in the game. Uh, we just take... Whatever we think in our own way is the most interesting thing to talk about and try and make some good TV on it. So, yeah, Friday's on Sky, Saturday night's on the Highlight Show on Quest, which is a bit more bish, bash, bosh, get the goals in, talk about what's happened, that sort of stuff. Um, And obviously the pod on Mondays, reviewing the weekend, lots of chat about individual players every week, uh, people to watch, people to track. Um, And uh, we've got some, yeah, we've got some exciting stuff in the pipeline. Just one particular thing, that I can't tell you because we haven't revealed it to our own listeners Ooh. yet. So I can't reveal it to yours. Um, but yeah, uh, we've got 21 under 21 out of the way. That was a big part of the start of our year. And uh, we got something else big. It's not TV related, but it is exciting. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited to listen to it. And I tell you what as well, on the Sky, on the sky stuff, I bet the green room food isn't bad either on those Friday evenings. You know what? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I've got, I've got, a, real, I've got a real weird love for this Sky Canteen Pasta Bar. Um, just some really good options there. George always laughs at me because he's probably got a point um, before you go on TV where they say the camera adds 10 pounds, maybe eating <laughs> like 
three kilos of cheesy <laughs> pasta isn't the one, but it's what makes me happy. And he normally goes for, I don't know, some veggie option, which is a, yeah, no, it's a good canteen. I'll, I'll give him that. The, the Sky Sports um, or the Sky Campus, the, the spaceship, as I call it. It's a, <laughs> it's a pretty remarkable place. I think you can get your hair cut there. I think there's a gym there. They've got all sorts. It's they a, just it's never a have place. to leave. Yeah, they, they try and keep you there for as long as possible. <laughs> I think that's the idea behind it, yeah. Uh, but it's good to dip in every now and then. Oh, brilliant stuff. No, thank you very much, Ali, for coming on, giving up your time and, and for, for telling us all about all those players under 21 in the EFL. Um, for anybody who didn't catch the EFL 21 under 21 show uh, on Sky or, or on demand, um, obviously, as you as you heard from, from Ali himself, please go and see that. Please go and watch that if you're, you're interested in a little bit of analysis and a little bit more added context to some of the players that we've been discussing um, on clips. today's pod. Video clips. clips, exactly. Yeah, you don't clips. even have to listen to us. You can just watch like six to eight really good examples of these young players being really fun and exciting. Oh, and even better, you know what? You could put this podcast on, mute the telly and watch the clips. You know, you don't have to listen to George. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, definitely do not do that. Um, but yeah, this has been uh, the Scouting Football Podcast with me, Joe Donahue, joined by Not The Top 20's Ali Maxwell. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Uh, stay safe and take care. Bye now. For player profiles, in-depth features and exclusive interviews, visit sfhandbook.com to learn more about the best young football players in the world.